Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Lost Podcast of Titan, father and son journey through sci-fi series that unite our generations as we hang out in the living room virtually, because this shit still isn't over. <laughs> the shit you know I'm talking about. Well, that... even, if the shit, even if the shit was over, you're way out in California and I'm here in Texas. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, I know, but still, it's like... Even if we were closer, I would still be hesitant to uh, to visit personally. Yeah. Because I'd rather not kill you, you know? Well, that's nice of you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm rather fond of you. <laughs> Some might say we have a familial bond. Uh, I shall send you a card upon the nature of your birthday. Dear father, congratulations. This is the day of your birth. There shall be cake, but no icing. Love, son. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, today, we have a partial chance to uh, get a redo in for, for our hardcore fans who, who somehow found this podcast without me advertising it. Hello again. Hi. How are you? Bonjour. Bonjour. Uh, how do you say hello in Russian? Uh, vodka? I don't know. <laughs> y'all, y'all know the hardcore fans, our people will know that our first episode was a bit of a technical blunder. Uh, it was completely my fault. I somehow snipped audio I did not intend to snip. And it put the entire episode out of sync. And I do not have the technical wherewithal to fix it. Because even though I work with computers all day, sometimes I just can't figure out simple shit like that. Uh, We're basically just flying by the seat of our pants here, folks. But what we're talking about here is The Menagerie, part one. A two-part episode of Star Trek where they took uh, the footage from their original pilot. So, Papa, you never actually saw the original pilot. When did you see the original pilot? I didn't see the original pilot until I was in my 40s. And it was released on... Well, back then it was released on videotape. How long were you aware that uh, that, uh, it was the original pilot? Oh, I knew... Every good trekker of my generation knew there were original pilot, the original pilots and stuff. But for the longest time, the only way we could see the original pilot was by watching the Menagerie. Uh, it also seems kind of a uh, what's the word? Cheap, quick, and dirty. Like they just wanted to cobble up uh, two episodes. Because I've, I've commented before just like how many episodes this first season actually has compared to, you know, how many episodes a TV season nowadays has. And it's just it's crazy. But I almost want to say that they didn't have to throw the Menagerie up here. They could have saved it maybe for season two or three. Well, back then, it wasn't common practice to run pilot episodes. We'd, I mean... A lot of, a lot of people didn't see the pilot episode of Lost in Space, for instance, or the, the That's pilot the one with the chest burster, right? No, 
That yeah. was the, the the Lost in Space pilot, which this was uh, when before the series they had the robot and Doctor Smith added to the series. Yeah, they liked the idea of the robot before, but they made it less human like, right? No, no, no. There was no robot in the original pilot episode, and there was no Doctor Smith. Didn't the robot deal with the chestburster? No. Huh. I'm still trying to figure out what you mean by chestburster. I'm I'm, I'm pretending that it's alien, a much yeah, better okay. uh, concept than you know, <laughs> Swiss Family Robinson get lost again. And Swiss uh, Family so- Robinson refused to you know space the asshole out of the airlock. I mean, like, the fuck are you doing? Why is he still here? What are you doing? You have a daughter. Stop it. Have two daughters. What? There were two? Yes. uh, Judy and Penny. Oh, Penny was like the really little one, right? Yes. Okay. That's why I never noticed her. Got it. (laughs) Poor Angela Cartwright. I'm sure she's doing fine. Sleeping on her piles of residual <laughs> money, okay. Dreaming of the of the day when she could do the proper version of Lost in Space with the chestburster, okay. Okay, all right. Well, actually, um, was it Veronica or Angela Cartwright who was on? No, excuse me, it was Angela Cartwright who played Penny. It was Veronica Cartwright who was in Alien. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Again, Lost in Space sucks. <laughs> oh. you, if you disagree, if you disagree with me, feel free to tell me why I'm wrong. No, at lostpodcast okay. at gmail, <laughs> podcast of titan at gmail Okay, I am not necessarily disagreeing with you. I only, I only own first season of Lost in Space because I wanted those first five or six episodes in my collection. When uh-huh. when this when the series quickly degenerated into the Will and Doctor Smith show. That's when I sort of parted company. I mean, it sucks. I'm sorry. Even the first few episodes just are trash. It's Swiss, it's Swiss Family, right? Like, it's too just sugary, sweet, taffy. Well, this was back in the 60s. Everyone had to, you know, be nice to people back then. No, they didn't. We have Captain Kirk just like phasering people <laughs> left and right. We have Yeoman Rand talking about, you know, uh, workplace rape, basically, as, oh, well, I mean, what are you going to do? Lots of things, actually. Speaking of sexual well, misogynist asshole. <laughs> Hardcore fans will know what I'm talking about. Okay, so. Uh, Feel free to get your uh, episode one of the Menagerie on whatever physical media or streaming device you would like and get to the zero zero mark. We'll go ahead and get this show started. And welcome back. Three, two, one, play. Okay. Because, I mean, I'm still, I'm still hot bothered by that. Oh, god damn. Glad to see they know where they put the best assets. <laughs> okay, you know okay. The- I do miss this. I miss the idea that every starship had their own symbol. Yes. There, that was uh, 
I mean, I could really dig that. Just so you know, we're all part of Starfleet, but I'm repping the USS Sunflower or whatever the fuck well, she's wearing. Well, that's star. That's a starbase symbol. Uh. You know the official term for a Starfleet female officer uniform? Uh, damn. No, I was going to say the official term is sexual harassment suit. Oh, ha, 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 ha. It's cute. Really skirting, skirting around the law, are you? <laughs> Hemming and hawing. Yeah. Okay, so the, oh, this, this is also brings up another point. So they're the way they're talking it's like there's the direct communications that uh they all deal with but it seems there's also almost a internet chat room thing going on gossip and stuff like that i imagine being a in starfleet they kind of like informal news as well as formal announcements and Pike's condition would have been, I'm certain, would have been mentioned in some kind of uh, report or, you know, official status of star of Starfleet officers. Yeah. Notice that door doesn't slide aside. It's an open and shut door. Well, it's a starbase. You can't expect all the luxuries. So, uh, I mean, granted, this would have been high tech back then, uh, with the whole yes, no in the sixties. Yeah. But you think you would have thought that in that time period of the series, they certainly could have come up with something better, especially since he can move his eyes. So he could do the whole, uh, eye tracking. That, by the way, is not Jeffrey Hunter. Wait, what? What do you mean? Uh, that's not Jeffrey Hunter who played Captain Pike in the pilot episode. That was Sean you mean, Kenny. You mean to say, you mean to tell me that the actor who was set on being the captain of a flagship series on a major network might have been a little salty that his pilot wasn't picked up and <laughs> and, and William Shatner from The Outer Limits and Twilight Zone was brought in? <laughs> Surely you just, sir. I, I don't. I don't have the entire story. I just uh-huh. know that, that that is Sean Kenny and not uh-huh. Jeffrey Hunter in that chair. Uh huh. Not the entire story. And he had appeared in two other Star Trek episodes. Also, I, I've never known like now that now that I'm older and wiser in the ways of the world, I, I don't believe any military would ever condone this whole bullshit right here. But then again, they also they double dip in um, Star Trek Three. 
Yeah, where they basically uh, steal um, the Enterprise back again. The Enterprise. It's yeah. like Starfleet isn't going to just pat you on the head and give you another ship. What the fuck are you doing? Well, they did save they did save the Earth again. Doesn't matter. That well, might, might, that might encourage other young captains to save the Earth. We just can't have that shit. Well, if you want my feeling on the matter, it yeah. has occurred to me that Spock really overcomplicated all of this. He could have just asked Kirk, you know, I'd like some shore leave, if you don't mind. We're near Starbase, and I want to visit my former captain. And he could just take in a shuttlecraft. He could have gone to the Starbase, picked up Pike the same way he did here, and he and Pike alone could have gone to Talos Four with no one time, but Wiser. Right? Yeah. Oh damn. Okay. Um. Malachi Throne playing Jose Mendez, another uh, dependable character actor doing very well. And you're just jealous because you know I don't have you don't have a sunflower on your chest here. Oh, hey, look at that. Okay, so his armbands are also kind of flashier, I think. He's a Commodore. I forget how many bands they get. This is also really, uh, you know, kind of sad and disappointing, but uh, I would like an occasional reference to the order of rank. Like, I understand Captain is above Lieutenant, but is a Lieutenant above a Corporal? I think so. A lieutenant, a lieutenant above is above a Corporal. It's... Right, okay. And a corporal is above a private, and a sergeant is above a corporal, and a captain is above, is above a, a lieutenant in under fire, I think. Oh. <laughs> Are you serious? Sneak, sneak, sneak. <laughs> he didn't see you sneaking past that grill. Also, what really helps is like everyone he does that to really sells it. Just Yes. And I understand that that guy, you know, came to work wanting to be, have a major role, but he was tech number two going to be uh, Vulcan nerve pinched. And, but I mean, it's just, well, it maybe really he, helps. Go ahead. Well, maybe he has a, another acting job later on that day at the same. Uh, yes, it's a coffee shop where he pretends to be a waiter. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, Sean Kenny, who played um, the crippled, Captain Pike or Commodore yeah. Pike. Uh-huh. He was, he was also, they were also working on filming the Star Trek episode arena at the same time while they were filming this. And so he, you know, spent some, he'd spend some time sitting in the wheelchair with the makeup and then he'd, you know, go work over on arena. Are we, are we considering this work? He's under so much makeup and his eyes so heavily lidded. He could take a nap. Be nice. I am.
Starfleet or Federation technology really doesn't make too many strides. I just now recall in one of the early Next Generation episodes, there's also an episode with a uh, old guy having to move around in a wheelchair. Is there? Yes. Um, he's the one who's... It's the one where this he's taking some kind of drug that makes him younger and stronger, but he kind of back... That's Ours, right. But, he was a uh, admiral, and he was getting okay. Yes, I remember now. Also, as as someone who works with computers, that's not how that works. I'm going to get you a T-shirt that says, "As someone who works with computers, so it'll be a labor-saving device." <laughs> no, no, I don't want to do that because then everyone will ask me to fix their shit. <laughs> wait, 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 where's Sulu? Wait, wait. Also, why isn't Uhura, the communications officer, dealing with this? I guess, she, yeah, she could have routed the message and worked the computer. Nick pinch him. There we go. <laughs> He had to put uh, another Kirk message on a completely different disc. Yeah. Oh, wait, but he didn't use that third disc. So maybe uh, based on what they said, it was another possibility. Ah. He, He would be going into Starfleet jail getting his mind wiped, et cetera, et cetera. Even if he hadn't gone to Talos four, he's pretty much flushing his career down the toilet here right now. Yeah. No, to stop watching me all the time on that screen. (laughs) Says the doctor. This is also one of my biggest fears, too, is being, you know, uh, not a vegetative coma, but just basically uh, mind locked. I think there's a specific term that they use. And, you know, they're the stories of the people who were in coma for years uh, and were completely aware of everything that was going on. Like, nope, no, thank you.
Kirk using logic. Yeah. I sometimes wonder about being a Vulcan makes you incapable of lying. It's bullshit. They've lied before. Even even in the good Star Trek, they've lied. There's nothing illogical involved in constructing an untruth. Exactly. It's like, uh, what was it? In Wrath of Khan, you know, uh, Spock was accused of lying. He's like, no, I was exaggerating. Am I the only doctor on the ship? It's about to say, like, congratulations, Bones. You're a <laughs> dick. See, having worked with doctors. Uh, <laughs> like, almost all of them I know would have just jumped at a chance. Oh, hey, someone needs my help? Well, good. Nurse Chapel. Where's Yeoman Rand? I they mean, were, he, they wanted he a blonde. Down, he took her down to uh, Miri's planet, which was a potentially hostile situation. But here, at an administrative center, where a Yeoman you think would be needed, she's nowhere. Because uh, that's actually kind of cool. Okay, all right. Yeah, that was a nice touch. Yeah, uh, because in Miri, uh, they needed a mother figure. Whereas they here, of, uh, they don't need a mother figure. No, they don't need a mother figure. Yeah, he put his wheelchair into overdrive and is racing down the corridors. Oh, we just stepped over that line now. Nobody messes with his ship. Even when he wasn't captain of the Enterprise, the Enterprise was his ship. True, but uh, like, what about the second Enterprise? Is it the same Enterprise? Is this a ship of Theseus or whatever that fucking uh, thing is called? <laughs> okay, he ended up, although I, I would lean towards the side of maneuvering, to always make sure that he was in charge of the Enterprise up until the point that he got zapped by the Nexus into uh, Happy Space or whatever that was. I don't remember that. What the fuck did that happen? Uh, Star Trek Generations, the first uh, Star Trek Next Generations movie, which also featured Captain Kirk. No, no, no. The first uh, Next Generations movie was First Contact. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, actually, yeah. Look up Star Trek Generations. Hold on. Star Trek Generations. Hold up. Let's see. Star Trek Generations. Uh... Oh, no, no, no. This was a fan film. This has uh, <laughs> this has those two sisters from, uh, from uh, the next generation, the two Klingon sisters who were like 
trying to take oh. over the empire. It has them as major villains. That just can't be right. It also has a uh, a purple string just moving willy-nilly through the galaxy at faster than light speed being moved by planets and suns being exploded. Uh, strange how this weapon never shows up again in Star Trek. Yeah, this is a fan film. I don't see... I'm sorry, Papa. <laughs> There's a nice bit of dancing there. <laughs> I'm sorry. Generations sucked. Like, I haven't been too thrilled by it either. I mean, I like the concept of the happy place, but they could have done it in a in a good movie. Arm photon torpedo. Oh wait, there's no photon torpedoes yet. Arm phasers. The, uh, so the, I'm liking the new the, the new special effects I mentioned before, but I feel sometimes they could just could have done more. Like there needs to be a spice or a pizzazz into it, instead of just it looks like sometimes just a 3D model rendered just being pulled through space. Budgetary considerations. They could have gotten what, more than the intern to do it, but go ahead. No, what bothers me is the Enterprise was the only starship at the starbase at that time. They could there wasn't another starship that they could have boarded that would have been able to do a better job of catching up the enterprise they had like, to go out in a shuttle it's weird like sometimes uh they they never really solidly uh hammer this down uh for very obvious story reasons but it sometimes feels as though there's only maybe a few dozen starships uh there were only supposed to be 12 constitution class starships in the enterprise if I recall correctly. It, yeah. It wasn't like later on, by the time you get to Next Generation uh, Deep Space Nine, where it seems like every Starship class has about 300 models wandering around the galaxy. Yeah, but uh, you you know there were 12 Constitution classes because there was a uh, Apocrypha that you could look into. I don't Mind think it was ever... Yeah, it, I don't think it was actually mentioned in the series, so it's not official canon. There's that one episode where like they're the only ship in the quadrant. Yes. So they had to, you know, retcon that Alpha Quadrant is and the Federation is like really close to the Beta Quadrant or some shit. So that that line makes sense. And I'm sorry, you're not reading anything on that fucking view screen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, compare with a much more high-tech and supposedly more thought-out version... You've seen 2001 A Space Odyssey, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The spacecraft displays that the crew are gazing into while they pilot, let's say, the, the shuttle and all that such back and forth, 
every once in a while it flashes a mathematic equation. And I was thinking, what exactly is that supposed to accomplish? Do they are they expect is the computer expecting the crew person to work out that equation in his or her head? I don't I mean, know. It, looked, it, it looked interesting, but in retrospect, it really made very little sense. Well, that's a, I mean, you know, 2001 is also Stanley Kubrick's confession that he faked the moon landing. So <laughs> it's pro- if you work out the equation, it probably is some sort of rocket fuel that proves we never left Earth or something like that. <laughs> I'm kidding, folks. I'm I, kidding. We so landed we, on the moon. But I love conspiracy theories. So I love all that shit. Uh, conspiracy theory used to be fun, but I've lost all appetite for them. Oh my god, they like they're so stupid now. <sighs> well, I, whatever happened to you know, uh, Nazis uh, went to the edge of the Earth because the Earth is flat and burrowed through the ice wall and have taken over the outer rings of the worlds because beyond every ice wall is another Earth sort of sort of thing. Now, who's chief engineer? I would think isn't Scott Commander Scott on board, and the commander would outrank a lieutenant. I don't know. <gasps> dun dun dun! Holy crap! Those earrings like really pop. <laughs> no, I'm just like I never noticed it before. I have to be honest. I never really noticed the earrings either until the remastered episodes came out. And also since we started doing this, she has worn those green hoop earrings regularly so far. Yeah. Cause like they, they've cleaned up everything. So it's like a lot of the little details. Uh, Uhura, what are you doing? Okay. She is so shocked. Now there's Scott. He is a commander. He and he's Scott. just he's hanging out in the teleporter room. So he's he's Miles O'Brien for the first three or four seasons of Star Trek: The Next Generation. <laughs> Poor O'Brien. He got he got his comeuppance in uh, DS9. Like he finally got some uh, respect around this fucking place. But there's a <laughs> there's a comic I love. It's like uh, Tales of Chief O'Brien in the transporter room, which is like. <laughs> It's fucking hilarious. I'll show you some afterwards. Okay. Oh, now he decides to go fix the helm. Where is that image being recorded from? Yeah, because uh, Kirk is leaning over the transporter control thing. So isn't he in the... Oh, he's in his quarters. Okay. Yes. I would have thrown him in the brig or out the airlock. That's what we do to mutineers. Walk the plank. 
That's what happens on the on the ship with the Captain Dick Chopper. <laughs> For our hardcore fans. <laughs> oh. I have my doubts as to that. But Yeoman Rand still isn't here. Like and yeah. Now she this would be where I think she's needed unless they have a specific officer listed as only only job is being court reporter for whatever purposes. Yeah, that she thought would. she was gonna have an easy job, like you know, whoever commits mutiny on a Starfleet <laughs> ship. Oh yep. well, nope, looks like I gotta work. But also <sighs> so this so so far all we have seen Yeoman Rand do is deliver food and come down on the planet conveniently enough full of children. Like that is just, uh, we've never seen her take notes or, you know, rec- or handle the captain's a daily activity log or something like that. Exactly. Which I'm sure is sort of an in- backhanded insult to actual naval yeomans who I yes, believe no. do an awful lot of work. Let's see. I think we discussed this before. What's this? Yeoman. Y e o m a n. Yeah. Let's see. Clerical, personal secretary, administrative duties, typing and filing, correspondence, maintains records, publications, service records. Oh wait a minute! Hold up. Are they I'm like are they like the lawyer of the ship? Hold on. No, you have uh, advocates general. Oh, oh form administer support for shipboard legal proceedings. Oh. Yes. Yeah. So they so they do more shit than just deliver food. Yes. And, you know, raise little brats. Maybe that's why Janice eventually became a transporter technician and then a communications officer. Janet. There's the shot. Love how the you know the whole shipboard recordings has already been edited to what looks like a TV show. <laughs> it's convenient. No, that was Jeffrey Hunter, the actor. Like, also, what do you mean? What do you hold on? Are you wait? Hold on. They know who the fuck this is. They don't have a picture of what he looks like before he got microwaved by well, a J-class busted Jeffrey's tube shit. <laughs> well, yes, but it's rather here they ask Spock to deliver evidence. And normally the evidence would be vocal or Spock would turn in an affidavit or something. But here he's somehow conjuring up actual footage, which was totally unexpected. 
Well, I, I imagine he understood he was going to be charged for mutiny and put on trial, so he might as well... Oh, wait, no, that makes sense now. So he got the archival footage from the Enterprise and then edited it to, you know, make it more uh, condensed. Well, I have an alternate theory, if you don't mind me uh, providing a spoiler. Oh no, not a spoiler. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, what's the, what's the theory? These transmissions are being sent by the Telosians. If oh, but if they could, oh wait, no, they're in orbit over Telosia, aren't they? They're approaching Talos Four. They haven't gotten there yet. I don't think they could be able to reach that far. They can reach that far. Remember, they were able to produce a illusion of Commodore, Commodore Mendez is actually not there on the Enterprise. He's still back at the Starbase. The Telosians fed an illusion saying that uh, Mendez accompanied Kirk to the Enterprise. So this revelation Hold tells on. us... Uh, then why did the oxygen... What was it? Why was the oxygen depleted? No, the, oxygen wasn't, the oxygen wasn't depleted. It's just that they ran out of motive power. They used up... The, their gas tank was empty. Right. But... So the, but they were also had two hours of oxygen left. Like, wouldn't Kirk be surprised if there was more oxygen than what there should be? Well, the Thelosians could have monkeyed with it. They, were, they monkeyed with his mind in order to produce a illusion of Mendez. They could easily deal with his uh, uh, mind concerning life support capabilities on board the shuttlecraft. But we get I get enough clues in this two-parter to tell me that the Telosians can extend their power as far as the star system where the star base was, which I think was something like four light years away from the Talos star group. And if I was Starfleet back on Earth, Starfleet Command back on Earth... I'd start I bombing would... the shit out of Talos 4. God damn. Oh, That's oh, right. I forgot I... about it. It's the beachfront <laughs> episode of Star Trek. Okay. Continuing or, on. Or I would consider moving the star base first God damn, they really were proud of that communicator. <laughs> oh, here we go. Transport any Orion slave girls lately, Captain? Oh, oh here it comes. Oh, mm -hmm. God, here it comes. That's right, yes, here it fucking comes, all right? Everybody buckle so in. We're going we're gonna to go through this again and see if I was overreacting. Okay, all right. Blah, da, da, blah, da, da, blah. I'm a captain. I'm stressed. Blah, da, da, blah. Woe is me. Blah, da, da, blah. Uh huh. I read the script. Oh, uh, there we go. <laughs> also, like, I, I wonder, like, how common this trope is where, you know, the doctor makes house calls and, uh, like, delivers a drink. Back when doctors actually made house calls, I mean. Or me or ship medical officers. That's a good... I would like to know that. How... I know it's... 
that the med- chief medical officer on board his ship has to be close, maybe not friendly, but close to the commanding officer. But I, I noticed that Starfleet medical officers seem to get in a habit of being chummy with commanding officers. Yeah. All right, here he comes. Hold on. Who dies? What was me? I'm going to be replaced. It's going to suck. I should have been <laughs> Captain Kirk. It should have been Captain Pike banging all those Orion slave girls. Now I got to transport them. I'm going to be a cooked pepperoni pizza in a wheelchair. God damn. All right, here we go. Okay. Ba-da-da. Like, why did you smack the doctor? Like, I'm not a fucking slaver. <laughs> fucking bullshit is this? <laughs> Fuck you, Ryan Colony. My dick. All right, look. I am sick of this shit. I am sick of Star Wars with the hut fucking empire. Like, we wouldn't have a Vader if your lazy ass, hypocritical bastards would have just. You know, you have fucking lightsabers, and they are giant slugs on a slab of stone. Just there. And then you can bring freedom to all the slaves on Tatooine, or wherever shithole planet is in question. And now we have the goddamn Orion slave girls with a captain who doesn't seem to be that uh, confused or upset at the notion of transporting them. (laughs) Fuck Pike, I'm glad he's a pepperoni pizza in a goddamn chair. (laughs) if you disagree with me you can email me and let me know why at lostpodcastoftitan at gmail.com I'd be curious to see the hardcore pike fans hardcore pike yes both of them (laughs) oh lordy I was asking myself Yes. Knowing this episode would come up, yes. would your would your position have mellowed any in the interim? Oh, well, no. <laughs> I mean, like, okay, it, it would be it would be like, okay, so let let us say we are opining of what life would be like in let's say the seventeen hundreds, okay, uh, with the the West Indies Trading Company, right? And it's like, oh, it's an adventure. It's the high life of the seas. You could transport slaves from Africa to the United States. Wouldn't you, like, put the brakes on that for a moment and go, like, eh? If eh." I was living in the 1700s, maybe I, God forbid, accept it as part of life. That's not helping, Bob, (laughs) at all. Well, you you set up the situation. If I was in the 1700s, you asked if I would have considered life on board a trading vessel. And unfortunately, for a great many people, slave trading was an accepted way of life. It's it's an uncomfortable fact, but there it goes. But okay, but that's the 1700s, and this is this is the 22nd century, right? Uh, I, have, <laughs> I think it's the, 
It's I, th- I remember because like the next generation is twenty third. Yes. Yeah. So this is the twenty second century. This is this isn't the the heady days of the seventeen hundreds with the sell the, the smell of salt in the air from the ocean. Like humans have had this discussion, and we have decided. And yes, this is supposed to be the kinder, gentler society of the Federation. Uh, yes. So, so yes. So we that, have a captain here. Is like, yeah, sure. I'll 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 transport some Orion slave girls. That sounds like fun. So yeah, I and I am uncomfortable with the idea, but keep in mind that this this Federation does not allow interfering, interfering with cultures. With, interfering with cultures. I would interfere with, with phasers and photon torpedoes. Well, then you wouldn't have made a Starfleet captain. Oh, I, are you fucking kidding me? I would have been like Kirk. Klingons would have pissed themselves at the sound of my <laughs> name. They would have pissed. It's like, ah, oh, it would be a great honor to fight Captain Dick Chopper. <laughs> <laughs> but we we have no we have no chance. And dying in glory. This is not a good day to die. We shall run away <laughs> because it is Captain Dick Chopper. <laughs> Speaking of people who didn't have much to do, uh, it, the the guy who just spent the entire scene standing next to oh, the the dude, the dude next to the elevator. Yeah, yeah. How much do you get paid to stand next to the elevator door in a Star Trek episode? Get day rates. If you're an extra, it's a flat day rate. And oh, uh, and access to uh, craft services if it's available. Oh, okay. No, but at the very least, that like that's the standard now. I, I don't know what it was then, so it could have been different. No, no, but going back to our original extended conversation, Angie, uh, yes, <laughs> um, we it is noted that throughout uh-huh. the original series, Kirk uh-huh. will find numerous excuses to interfere with the native culture of a planet. Yes, and get away with it. Yeah. So the whole prime directive um, apparently had some people who would turn the blind eye to it when circumstances presented themselves. Picard, by comparison, was a real hard case in regards to the prime directive, which is, I'm, I think, one of the reasons I never warmed up to him as a commanding officer. Well, he broke prime directive uh, as much or if not more than uh, Kirk, but they, they also had more seasons. Also, yeah. uh, as an extrapolation to our tangent, uh, I am reminded <laughs> of an anecdote uh, of the the British uh, back when the British uh, were in control of India, right? And uh, the local population was building a scaffold to or a pyre to burn a witch, and the the British found out about us and were building a uh, a scaffold, and the people were like, "Well, why are you building a scaffold?" And they say. Well, our culture is to hang people who burn people without for being a witch. So let us all act in accordance to our culture. And strangely enough, the witch wasn't burned. I feel (laughs) the message was made. She turned me into a newt. (laughs) Oh, that's right. This is we have the extra behind the rock (laughs) shaking the flowers. I forgot about that. (laughs) Hey, it's hey, it's work. He told his parents, look for me. I'm on the planet. I'm the second set of blue flowers. Shaky, 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 shaky. What was either that or go to Vietnam? 
That's right. Vietnam was going around during this time, wasn't it? Right. Do we have a Vietnam Star Trek episode? Uh, ooh, I mean, I they think... were trying to hammer every other uh, issue of the day. Uh, a private little war, I think, qualifies. You know, uh, the United States and the Soviet Union providing arms and support to uh, smaller countries. And here you have the Federation and the Klingons trying to provide support to, uh, quote, not as developed planetary societies, unquote. That must have been difficult. Now the question is, where is this footage coming from? That's, are, are the Telosians allowing footage of themselves to be included into the narrative that Spock is delivering? And uh, why is oh, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't this like wouldn't Kirk go like what the fuck is this shit? Or Commodore Who are these Mendez, people with the ch- you know hold up you know let's pause the screen here. Well, Commodore Mendez is an illusion, so. Well, still. I would have expected them to make the Mendez illusion. Wow, this gets complicated. <laughs> make the Mendez illusion <laughs> respond appropriately. Well, I sometimes think you're thinking too hard into it. I, that's a, I'm just, I'm just glad Captain Pike is a uh, rotting pizza in a chair at the moment. So, <laughs> oh gracious! I mean, it makes it puts Kirk in a much better light. Well, it makes one wonder if what Kirk would have done if he had fallen out of, you know, the idea of being a Starfleet captain. He would go back to his ranch in Wyoming, like he did. Several times, I think. It's where he was in that fan film, Generations, remember? (laughs) (laughs) So we know where Kirk would have ended up. And again, so yes, congratulations, Pike. You got what you fucking deserved. (laughs) And also, I'm glad the doctor went poof, because he's apparently okay with it as well, which is great coming from a doctor. Oh God! Well, he he did sound sort of God. I have, why am I why am I constantly devil's advocate around here? <laughs> but he does you know, a slaver dealing in Orion green skinned animal women. Tisk. Wait, wait, wait! Animal women, Papa. Well, that's how he. That's how the dialogue went. They were described as animal women. Yeah. It just, I guess, meant they were fun dates. Oh, Jesus. Papa, you're not helping. <laughs> you are not helping. <laughs> they are strong, independent slave women. <laughs> Don't need no man. Strong, independent. Oh, oh wait. Okay. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Okay. All right. All right. That could be an interesting storyline. Oh, dear. No, no. I'm serious. Like, the revolt. Of the Orion slaves. So then we have uh, Starfleet with uh, this conundrum. Oh my god, we must respect this culture bullshit for some whatever fucking reason. Uh, uh, But we also have the very clear uh, uh, moral standpoint of, you know, they deserve to be free and all that shit. And then they could explain it. They could go, these are the Orions, this is their culture, blah da da blah da da blah and in the end, they are photon torpedoed to doom, and the Orion slaves are freed. Happy ending. Well, footnote here. In the animated yeah. series, there is an episode where a group of 
disparate individuals are being led by an independent or a green Orion woman. Oh, there we go. Cause we only had a few episodes of the animated series on tape. And what pissed me off was like, it ended right. Like the, the tape cut off right at a cliffhanger. Ah. And I was like, no, you bastards. It was like a Klingon super weapon one too, which was really cool. That must've been the one with the triples. I don't, I, I don't know. It was a giant white ball of light that was smashing into the enterprise. I think. The one with the triples. I don't, I don't remember if triples were in it. Okay. Well, I remember the episode is one of the subplots was the Klingons had developed a new super weapon. Yes, that was it. And also the, the Klingons apparently went on a jihad against triples at one point or another. I think it was mentioned in DS nine. Yes. The great uh, triple hunts. That was glorious. The, I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? One of the better scenes <laughs> in the DS9 franchise. <laughs> do, they, no, do the Warriors still sing songs about the great, the great triple, triple master? And to be honest, I would like to see that film. I would like to see the great <laughs> triple jihad. That that would be now that would be a fan film worth making. Yeah, there we go. Entire regiments of Klingons lined up on a battlefield in some uh, planet, and on the other side of the battlefield, ooh, ooh, ooh. no, 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 play it up. the The Klingons are uh, on on a on a star uh, a Klingon starbase, whatever, you know, for glory. And uh, the triples are like the aliens, so they hear <laughs> them, but they don't actually see them. <laughs> Klingons taking prisoner by triples. <laughs> it's like they, they don't really, they're not killed. It's just they're attacked like puppies. And it's so cute. <laughs> it melts their warrior heart. <laughs> they're dishonored because they laugh. Cause it's so cute. I also love how we haven't really commented on the episode other than to say Captain Pike is a rotting piece of pizza in a chair <laughs> and he deserves it. Oh. Like, I also understand you saw this when it first came out and they were trying their best to establish the wider universe, blah, 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 blah. Or you could just tell me in about 30 yeah. seconds, like seriously uh, for Captain Pike to have a happy, normal life or deliver him back to the delusions who can use their mind powers to give him a semblance of normalcy and let him live his life with, uh, uh, yeah. a, 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 yes, her. And he'll be happy, be well taken care of. And the Telosians will have their, uh, their zoo. Well, yeah. Well, not, you know what not I mean? Much of a zoo, I think, they pretty much reconciled themselves to the fact that humans weren't going to work out. But for some reason, they decided to, you know, offer an olive branch to Pike. Uh, who knows? Maybe this was an overture to increased relationships between the Telosians and the Federation. Because making the planet... Making the planet off limits 
is certainly not going to solve the problem. Let me see. Telosian's Memory Alpha. Let me see. Now, there was a novel called Burning Dreams, which says that the subspace message summoning Enterprise to Starbase 11 was not a fabrication by Spock, but instead an illusion by the Telosians, making Spock think he actually did receive the message. Let's see. Weird. Oh, don't don't sign off, ladies and gentlemen. We're still no, here. no. We're we're still here. Yeah, uh, I'm just looking to see what the Telosians were up to afterwards, and apparently they're in some fan series called Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I just saw a still from the Telosians that were to be that like to be honest. The, the, I've I've heard the original series. Like, oh my god. What the fuck are you doing? How can makeup get worse? <laughs> and I'm like, it has to be a fan series. Cause have you, have you seen Klingons in Star Trek discovery? Fortunately? No. Oh, would you like to? Unfortunately? No. Too bad. Like- you're going to, you're going to see this shit. You're going <laughs> to see this shit. Cause if I had to suffer this fucking shit, you have to suffer <laughs> this fucking shit. No. Uh, let me see. Seriously? Oh, you've been you've been saved. Apparently, the file is too big. <laughs> oh fuck! Oh, actually, uh, no. All right, okay. I, I'll 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 spare you. This life time, is, life is too short, and I'm an invalid. <laughs> I should be the one going around in a powered wheelchair, beeping, yes or no. But, uh, let's see. So that was the first part of the menagerie. And then I guess we'll get the rest of the episode in the second part. Then we have Conscience of the King. King, one of my favorites. But as an episode goes, uh, I never, I'm never really a fan of bottle episodes, to be honest, or clip shows or however you want to call it. Even in, in this narrative format, uh, I, maybe it's because I actually saw, uh, the cage prior. You do know that the menagerie took the Hugo award in 1967 for best dramatic performance. The competition. Hugo <laughs> awards, God. 1967 nominees. Let's see. Hugo. 1967. Oh, it's not. It gives me 1976, but not 1967. What kind of bullshit is this? <laughs> Hugo Awards by year, maybe. Hugo Awards 1967, just straight up. Here we go. All right. Do I have? Oh, here we go. Okay, so best dramatic presentation. You said yes. Yes. Uh, here we go. <clears throat> <laughs> the Fantastic Voyage. You can go. F- oh wait, what's uh? Wait, which one was that? Fantastic Voyage. Is that... Oh, my God! Wait, that's the one where they all shrink, right? Yes. Was that the TV show or the movie? It was the movie. Oh, that was a good one. Okay, all right. Uh, 
Fair enough. Ooh, Fahrenheit 451? Yes. And Star Trek Naked Time and Star Trek Corbinite Maneuver. Holy shit. Okay, all right. It's interesting. It beat out Corbinite Maneuver. Oh, uh, it's probably because they didn't see the original uh, footage. And, of course, it's longer than the Corbinite Maneuver. Uh, but there's a distinct lack of Tanya, so I would have given it to the Corbinite Maneuver. Let's see. That's not short story. The best... Pre- Wait, there are Hugo Awards for professional magazines? Go fuck yourself. Oh, oh, and fanzines. Well, I mean, you know. How yeah. else are you going to get Star Trek Discovery and Star Trek Generations? But there we go. So what do you... Uh, what did you think of the episode? Was it good? Bad? Indifferent? I mean- I give the overall production an A for having to... What was that? That was me closing the stream. Okay. I give the overall production an A for, in my opinion, effortlessly managing to blend the pilot episode footage with this footage and adding uh, an outside story. I was very impressed. I really, I'm not, I'm not impressed because literally it's Spock going, Ooh, you need to see, you need to watch. No, it's more logical and more efficient to just simply say, Hey, look, the rotting piece of pizza over there in the chair, who's a racist slaving bastard, uh, somehow for whatever reason deserves to live his life in relative comfort, uh, with a a woman of this, well, not same condition, but (laughs) like her repair job was botched. Whatever you want to call it. Well, I'm certain that the Colosians would have given them, granted them both illusions so that they would see each other as, you know, young and nice. Yes. Whereas if it was up to you, they would have only have seen, Pike and Davina would have only seen themselves as human wreckage. Or, you know, uh, have a photon torpedo suppository, you know. It's just it, it. I've seen it in multiple series now, and it's really bothering me. How you know this is this is not the moral quandary. This isn't the oh we must respect their culture. There are some aspects of culture that can go fuck itself. There, 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 there are there will be parts of the uh, Star Trek franchise, a society that does not sit well I with you oh okay i was about to say if you're part of that society and you would like to discuss it i am willing to entertain your discussions you can email me at lost podcast at titan at gmail.com <laughs> you can't run the uh website the screen while we're doing these things that would save you an awful lot of trouble i mean the url for the emails I I put it. I'll, I'll I'm starting to put it in the actual uh, description, because for whatever reason, in my brilliance, I decided to call. Well, we decided to call the podcast the Lost Podcast of Titan, and I commissioned art for the you know the the podcast cover, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Yet for whatever reason, maybe I was like dead ass tired, but I made uh, the email address lostpodcastoftitan at gmail dot com without the the. So he's saying, folks, he's saying, send him some email. I mean, yeah, if you want, yeah. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm right. Do you think Captain Pike was about out of line? Am I overreacting for a comedic effect? 
who knows? Maybe maybe if a sponsor sponsored us, we'd be more forthcoming in our views. <laughs> let um, me let me throw like maybe a ninety degree other example here. Okay, all right, the, go ahead. You have the next generation episode where, as part of the Federation and Klingons make nice um, effort, we have exchange of officers. So you yes. So, now the the okay i am i'm i'm mentally reviewing that episode and the klingon commander did say he would adhere to all federation uh rules and regulations just as riker on board the klingon ship said he would follow without hesitation all klingon rules and regulations yes but uh are any of those rules and regulations in that culture uh, purposely oppressing someone else. If this, well, if that's it, because you don't really see the Cleons oppress in the next generation being as oppressive and authoritarian as they were in the original series where they were just enslaving everyone left and right. Which makes me wonder if they're ex, uh, genetic experiments, which basically kind of backfired and created a whole lot of issues as well as the, you know, the destruction of Kronos it just it forced them to pay attention more to themselves rather than everyone else to reevaluate their society right um how well do you remember your ring world by larry niven uh i remember the uh uh the the the, the large cat things were actually humans who grew up like we were their kids and we had to eat some sort of special banana to grow oh, into you're, okay. you're thinking about the uh, the pact I'm the Kazinti were the large cat like creatures but and they the Kazinti were the I guess the Klingons in the Niven universe but there was a in ring world it was revealed that there was a movement among the Kazinti they had been stomped on so much in successive wars against the humans that the there were those among the Kazinti who were developing the feeling of maybe we should reevaluate the Kazinti culture if a bunch of leaf eaters like the humans can just roll over us anytime they want. Yeah, pretty much. I just remember being pissed off because there was one subsequent novel of Ringworld where uh, whatever race it was that we grow into that are hyper strong and hyper intelligent. The pack. Yeah. He took a rifle and just kind of leaned out his uh, shuttle door and doing some quick mental calculations, sniped another shuttle like hundreds of miles away. Oh, and I'm right. like, what fucking bullshit is like, Larry, Larry, my dude, Larry, I understand the publisher was like, Larry, my boy, if we get more of these ring world novels, we'll make millions, millions. We'll have movies. And the fact we haven't had a ring world movie yet kind of, confuses me but it's the same problem with ender's game it's like the first book was okay until you think about it for five minutes and then it turns into shit uh and then he just keeps going and it's amazing how shittier it keeps getting with each subsequent book oh one thing that really makes me regret the decline of science fiction conventions Uh is i i <laughs> I, I, is not seeing you on a, on a panel table at a science fiction convention doing 
this sort of commentary and stuff, you know, yelling out. Do you see Larry Niven walking past the door? Like, Larry, Larry, my boy, Larry, come here, come back here a second. We got to talk about something. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but I mean, no, 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 no it's refreshing. It's entertaining as heck, but <laughs> he made luck a thing of genetics. No, no, luck is not genetic. Uh, he came up with a concept of a ring world, or you know, he pulled it from science. But uh, oh shit, that reminds me. Uh, did I ever show you the uh, the the possibility that there's actually a Dyson sphere being constructed by a nearby star? Oh yes, I'm familiar with that. Awesome. And uh, are you also familiar with the fact there's probably bacteria in Venus's clouds now? Yes. Okay. I, I do keep up with these things. Thank you. Okay. Okay. I was just checking. I was <laughs> yeah. I was excited. I, I was, sometimes. I was... I sometimes peek back into the Dyson sphere, see how it's going, you know. <laughs> Say hi. Say hi, you know. Oh, and also send our podcast you <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you can uh, <laughs> and the bacteria in Venus's cloud can email us at lostpodcast@titan at gmail.com. But All these uh science fiction stories where the aliens learn to speak English from monitoring our broadcast. I want to encounter an alien race that learns English from listening to the, these podcasts. Jesus. <laughs> well, I, well, actually, you say that there is one movie that I thought did that really well, which was uh, The Explorers, where basically oh. the two aliens uh, that were like alien kids that stole their dad's car communicated almost purely in uh, in TV speak and popular culture and all that crap. And I was like, yeah, that's that is kind of how it was done. They see they they see how things are transmitted, they get a kind of gist of what is being said and they use it to express themselves. I'm well, not sure how well the movie actually stands up. It's been quite a few years since I've actually seen it, but I do remember that part. Well, I still like it. It's one of my favorite Joe Dante films. What the fuck fact, is Joe Dante? Probably, he's the guy who directed the movie. Oh. You know, the person who stands and who sits in the chair when the movie's being made saying, you do this, 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 and this. Well, what else has he done? Let's see. Oh, he did uh, Inner Space. Okay. And Gremlins and The Howling. And, God damn. Rock, rock and Roll High School. Uh, can't have them all. <laughs> oh, God, I've raised a monster. I really have raised a monster. Uh, police Squad. And Piranha and the movie Orgy documentary. Okay, and we're closing out of that. This is <laughs> anyway, folks. But yes, Explorers. Explorers is my favorite. <laughs> and with that, ladies and gentlemen, the first part of Menagerie, we end with Explorers is our favorite show, Dante film. Uh, join us next time when we do part two of the Menagerie. Uh, and we'll see you later. I want to see what kind of repeat business we get with part two. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Like how can, because right now the cage uh, is uh, our most popular episode and it's also our most technically flawed episode. <laughs> so well, hopefully we'll get a second chance. Uh, well, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.